This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Heaven Sent Deli, located in Pleasant Hell Township. Heaven Sent, now serving our famous holiday hoagie. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. It's Christmas time! Christmas time is here! And that means Christmas-themed horror movies! This week, it's Murderous Santas! That's right! With 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, and 2005's Santa's Slay! But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Dang straight! Why don't you give me a question? In 2014's It Follows, mm. the lead character, Jamie J. Height, is played by what actress? Fucking, I don't remember her name. Are they kidding us with this? No. I can change my Micah questions. Micah Monroe. Okay, cool. I can change my questions to harder ones if you want. I can't help what questions relate to movies we've seen. I don't have any here that relate to movies we've seen. Unfortunately. So instead, I'm going to ask a question about one of our modern favorites. In Insidious 2010, Dalton Lambert inherited his ability to astral project from whom? His mother. Wrong. You kidding me with that answer? Oh, his dad. Yes. I thought you meant how the father got it. Because no. I think they say that his mother can do it, too. No, yeah, it's Dalton. It's the kid. I don't fucking know their names. It said from which of his parents was the actual question. I felt like that would have been too easy, but apparently you would have gotten it wrong anyway. Micah Monroe. <laughs> she was great. I loved her in that movie, and she's awesome, and she should do more things. But fuck if I know her name offhand. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, our first movie up is 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, based on a story by Paul Kamey and written by Michael Hickey, directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr., and starring Lillian Chauvin, Gilmer McCormick, and Tony Nero. What is Silent Night, Deadly Night all about? It is about a child who sees his family murdered by a guy dressed up as Santa Claus, who's just like a straight up serial killer, just kills people everywhere and takes their money. And and then he's put in a horrible orphanage run by nuns who decide that the best way to get him to get over his trauma is by beating the shit out of him. And forcing him to participate in their yearly Santa Claus extravaganza, which, by the way, they're fucking nuns. Why would they have Santa show up? Christmas would be all about Jesus. Why are you going into this right now? <laughs> because this movie is 
stupid. Oh, uh, we see how Kelsey feels about it. And then he grows up and is forced to dress up as Santa. You're getting way too much into this. At his job and goes on a rampage. Yes. I would have stopped after the fact that his parents died and it messes him up for life. <laughs> Look, guys. Normally, that's I, what you do. I didn't really enjoy this week. <laughs> <laughs> I did not enjoy either of these movies. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm so excited. Should people watch this movie? No. Okay, I will no. tell you. So. This movie is famous for being ripped from theaters by the production company because people protested it. In its opening day, it actually made more than A Nightmare on Elm Street, which opened on the same day. Uh, but six days or something after it was o after it opened, it was ripped from the theaters, and it wasn't re-released for a long time after that by a different independent production company. So it it. It's mainly famous for being controversial, and I don't fucking get it. I don't fucking get what's so controversial about this. It's because the all of the promotion was about how Santa... Santa's going on a rampage. That's basically all they were promoting it through. Yeah. And even though other movies had done that prior... This enraged parents because it's around the holidays and their little kids are watching TV and up pops this commercial of a yeah. killing Santa. And that's literally the only reason and people protested and then it got taken out of theaters and yeah. that made it super famous. But that does not make it a good movie. So maybe that intrigues you. Maybe it doesn't. You can decide for yourself. But when we get back, we will talk about 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night. The night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Remember, he only looks like Santa Claus. You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Kelsey, what happens in this movie? First of all, I should say, it starts out with the title, and there's like animated orange blood, and there's this musical stinger that completely blows out the audio. I don't know. I kind of love it. I don't know. It's it's weird. But what actually happens in the story? So it's Christmas Eve, and they're driving out to see Grandpa. Who is driving out to see Grandpa? A family. A young boy with his parents and his baby brother. I literally wrote, perfect family. Oh, they gonna die. I also love that she's sitting in the front seat holding like, the baby. Yeah. Ugly fucking baby. I fucking love, like, <laughs> that back then, we just, we had no idea, and so that's how we lived. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so they're going out to see Grandpa, and admittedly, this is kind of a creepy scene. It's creepy as fuck! It's also just strange. It's, it's This movie is a lot of strange. Yeah, like, the Grandpa is, like, catatonic, and so the parents leave him leave the son with 
the grandpa because they're like, oh, he's just catatonic. He's just going to sit there. We got to go talk to the doctor. And then when they leave him, the grandpa turns and like threatens him and says that Santa is scary and Santa likes to punish people. He says this. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. I'd be scared too, if I was you. And then he explains what's going on, and he says, You see, Santa Claus, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. And then he laughs, like, <laughs> Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. All the naughty ones. He punishes you. See Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. <laughs> Time to go home, Billy. And then he goes stone-faced again when his son comes in, like nothing happened. First of all, why? Second of all, what the fuck does that have to do with this story? There is no evil Santa in this story. Like, let's be clear. Right, but the he... only murderous Santas are people who are end up being just regular old silly serial killers in Santa costumes. Right. What but... is this grandpa really afraid of? Oh, what's the logic behind this? Why is grandpa so upset about Santa. Like, what's the story there? I want to go back in time and see what happened to this grandpa that made him catatonic, except when he's talking about how scary Santa is. Honestly, I got the impression that he's faking his illness and he yes. just wanted to fuck with the kid. The mom says when the kid talks about how grandpa warned him about Santa, says grandpa's nothing but a crazy old fool. And the kid says, oh, Mommy, you shouldn't have said that. Santa will punish you now. I don't want him to come. I'm scared. Of who, honey? Santa Claus. Honey, there's nothing to be scared of. Grandpa said Santa Claus is going to punish me. Billy, calm down. Grandpa is nothing but a crazy old fool. <gasps> Mommy, you shouldn't have said that. It's naughty to say bad things about old people. Santa Claus will punish you. And this kind of starts this little boy, Billy, down this path of be good. Because if you're not good every day of the year, Santa Claus will punish you. It's not just that he brings that he brings toys to the good girls and boys of the world. It's that if you're not good and always good, you will be punished. And this is a running theme of traumatic things that happen to this little kid. And no wonder he grows up all fucked up. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. And as soon as he says that, they stop to help somebody dressed up as Santa Claus. And he we've already seen him rob a fucking convenience store. Yeah. And then he stops these people, I guess, to, to take their car. So he kills the parents and then the kid runs away and he goes after the kid, but we don't see what the fuck happens. So he, he goes off looking for him and he even says, ho, 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 like Jesus. And he, and he's, he's looking to murder this kid. And the assumption is, is that he never finds him. He leaves the baby alive. Yeah. Why would he not kill the baby if he was willing to kill a little kid? So 
either way, both young men wind up in an orphanage and Billy's like 10 at this point. People think he's nuts because he freaks out about not only Christmas, but about doing bad things and how bad people are. And people call him weird names. So he is wandering around in the orphanage and he comes across two teenagers having sex. And the, the mother superior shows up. Well, we should say that them having sex is a flashback to his mother's death, where she was sexually assaulted oh, yeah. while she was being murdered. And so when he sees this young woman's breast, he flashes back to his mom. And it's totally twisted and fucked up. And then Mother Superior beats them and then beats With a him. Belt. And she tells him that it's naughty and punishment is necessary. Punishment is absolute. Punishment is good. But when we do something naughty, we are always caught. And then we are punished. Punishment is absolute. Punishment is necessary. Punishment is good. Yes, Mother Superior. You left your room, William. Yes, Mount Superior. Very, very naughty. And then she spanks him for leaving his room, even though the other nun told him to go outside. Mother Superior is all about punishment. I wouldn't be surprised if she if she self-flagellates. Like, she's that much about how punishment is absolute and punishment is good. She's a fire and brimstone kind of nun. And she takes it out on these little kids. Again, contributing to Billy's fucked up outlook on life. Like, But seriously, whether he remembers or not about his childhood, because the Mother Superior's like, he doesn't remember. He, he He's just acting up. And it's like, well, why do you think he's acting up? Because he remembers. But whether he remembers or not, his parents were brutally murdered by a guy dressed as Santa. And now he's freaked out about Santa Claus. Fucking let him be. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. But so after she beats him and whatever, it's Christmas and Santa shows up and she's like, look, you'll see. I was right. So she's going to force this kid to sit on Santa's lap. And he's, like, screaming and crying, and then he ends up punching Santa. Yes, which is awesome. <laughs> and he runs away, and he cowers in a corner saying, like, he didn't mean to be naughty. You know, like, he's he's freaking out and panicking because of, because of his obsession with being a good boy, or Santa will punish him. And then his we freeze frame on his face in a look of terror because Mother Superior shows up off, off camera saying his name, William, and then it freeze frames on his on his terror-filled face and then cut to, like, eight years later or whatever. I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to be naughty. Don't punish me. Please. William. Jesus Christ, this kid's life. Yeah, so now the other nun is helping him get a job, and of course, she helps him get a job at a fucking toy store. Like, you're the one that said that it was a bad idea for him to be around Christmas shit, and then you're getting him a toy store job. But everything is fine for a long time. Oh my god, we have this stupid-ass montage. we know that because of this montage with this song, The Warm Side of the Door, and Billy's doing a great job at work, and the manager looks on and smiles and nods approvingly. 
but the song is like, it's always Christmas on the warm side of the door. There's always people who love you. They're gonna kiss you and hug you. And it's always Christmas on the warm side of the door. What is this? A lot of the music in this movie is made specifically for this movie, and it is painfully obvious. Like, how many lyrical songs are made specifically for movies that aren't diegetic? Like, or they're a musical, like a Lion King or something like that. Like, what? what, what, Ah, so dumb. Also, why is he wearing a gi? A what? A gi, like that... uh, somebody wears in in martial arts he's wearing this like robe shirt that is you know it's it, it's like a robe but it's cut off at the waist where you wrap one side around you and then the other side around you and then there's a belt around like your stomach area I did you not notice that he was wearing this notice that was his work smock and it was it looked like a karate gi <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing <laughs> It ends up being Christmas time, and they need somebody to dress up as Santa, and they force him to do it. And now he's conflicted. He doesn't want to do it, but he also wants to be a good employee and do what his boss tells him. Because remember, he has this compulsion, and so he plays a store Santa. And this is really fucked up. Everyone thinks he's a great Santa because the kids are always calm. But that's because when they're sitting on his knee and acting up, he's like, stop it. Stop it or Santa will punish you. <laughs> like, and so they're terrified. <laughs> it's Look, so weird. I'm not saying that, like, okay, here's the thing. If this happened in real life, that would be terrifying, right? Yeah. It's a scary concept. It's a good idea. But this movie is awful and it... And it presents this idea in an awful way. None of this is scary for the audience. It's just a terrifying idea that this could be some, but someone's life. Yeah. Like, that's, and it's boring as fuck to watch. And it's so terribly shot. It's it's kind of interesting to watch in that you can't believe <laughs> that this is a thing. So... They get through the entire Christmas season, and it's Christmas Eve, and then the store owner shouts, Seven o'clock! It's over! Time to get shit-faced! Seven o'clock! It's over! Time to get shit-faced! <laughs> and they have this really awful Christmas party with all six employees at this place. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of love it. <laughs> And then the older woman and the owner are, like, singing this song. And it goes, Santa's watching, Santa's waiting. And this is a song that, again, is made up for this movie that apparently exists as, like, some folk Santa song. Santa's watching, Santa's waiting, everyone is celebrating. Did you do your best this year? Too late now. Santa's here. Santa's watching. Santa's waiting. Christmas Eve is slowly fading. Yeah, yeah. If that night, close the door, turn out the lights. Just 
just reinforcing the idea that Santa's coming to punish you. Not, and it's too late, you can't do anything about it, it's because you were naughty. Like, not to reward you if you were good. It's this really twisted song that they treat like this classic folk song. Yes. <laughs> Even outside of the context of this film, that song is totally unsettling. There's this girl that he, like, has a crush on that he works with. Pamela. And he, he he had, like, a dream about her and, like, woke up screaming, like, naughty! Like, I shouldn't be feeling that way about her. Yeah. But then he sees her about to be assaulted, about yes. to be raped. By, by one of the other employees. By this asshole that he works with. Yeah, guy that hates him. He yanks him off of Pamela and, and somehow strangles him with a string of lights. He chokes him out with a string of lights by wrapping it around his neck and pulling it tight and lifting him up by it. Those things are strong. That strong? Also, he's that strong? Well, you saw him. He's buffed out. That's the whole reason he was hired. <laughs> and that dude's kind of tiny. That dude's kind of short. And you think, oh, great, he saved Pamela. But Pamela's freaking out because he just killed this guy. But no, he's not saving Pamela. He turns to her and he says, punishment is necessary, Pamela. It is good. And he stabs her in the torso. Punishment is necessary, Pamela. It is good. And this is because we get to see tits. It is her real torso. It's not fake. And he draws this fake knife up her stomach. And it's... Very quick, and I bet if you, we had an extended look at it, it wouldn't look as impressive, but I was kind of impressed by that shot. It was very effective, I would say. They made the right choice by using a fake knife instead of a fake torso. It looked real, or at least evocatively gruesome at first so glance. So funny that you say that, because when I watched it, and you see this little tiny trickle of blood follow the fucking blade, I was like, that looks like shit. Well, it's really fast. That's the point. That's what I'm saying. It's not that it looked, I, I say it looked real or evocatively gruesome at first glance. So he continues on by killing everyone else in the store. And he does this with a fucking bow and arrow. And I'm like, okay, this is a toy store. Why would they have a real bow and arrow to be sold there? It's the 80s. Yes. Yeah. So one thing that doesn't quite add up is that the nun shows up because nobody answers the phone and she's worried about him when she found out that he's acting as Santa. I love her face when they tell her. She's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. It's not that nobody answers the phone here. It's that the jerk does and tells him that he's being Santa. So she just comes in the front door. But the lady... The older lady who was trying to get out doesn't go out the front door because she can't get out. And then she goes to break the pane of glass on the wall to get out that way. So how did the nun just get in? But she does, and she sees the gruesome scene. <laughs> but he's gone. So she calls the cops, and they're looking for this guy. And he just stumbles upon this random fucking house, and he kills these two kids who are having sex. And then when... The girl they were babysitting is like, are you really Santa? He he kneels down and he asks her if she was good. She says yes. She says yes. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like really trying to get her to say no. Because if she says no, he gets to punish her, this little girl. But when she keeps insisting that, yes, she's been good, he begrudgingly is like, well, fuck. I guess I have to give you a gift. So he just... Gives, gives her, a, her box a box cutter that he had in his hand that he was going to use to kill her if she said she had been naughty. Yeah. Like, 
Jesus. <laughs> but though I love the way he appears at the front door when when the girl lets the cat in, as he just kind of hops out of off screen brandishing an axe and saying punish no well yeah but he also breaks through the door which looks like it's made out of fucking cardboard Mm -hmm. i also love that this girl she's like in the middle of having sex and she thinks it's her cat she's like i gotta go let the cat in which is weird in itself. She but then puts her shorts on. She puts on. on her shorts and leaves herself topless. And meanwhile, <laughs> we know she's babysitting a little girl who already almost came downstairs. Yeah, uh-huh. The fuck? Yep. It's just so they can have more nudity. There you are, you bad kid. Punish! So the cops return to the nun who's at the station, and she asks, any news? And the chief of police or whomever, or the lead detective, is like, all bad, sister. Any news? All bad, sister. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that's a genuinely good line. <laughs> that is a genuinely good line, and I kind of love that. But they they put out an APB on this uh, guy dressed up as Santa, and she's like, oh, he's probably going back to... The orphanage. So they send another cop there, and he sees a Santa Claus walking up to a kid, and when he yells at him to back away, the guy doesn't respond and continues heading towards this little kid, and so the cop unloads on him. Because he's been given the right to shoot to kill. Yes. But Which, are you ever allowed to do that? If I guess if they're armed, but he doesn't have a gun. Right, but endangering somebody else. I don't know what the laws are around But also, he was surrounded by children. Why would you take the shot? And he had other ways of getting up there. And, like, you know, if if the guy didn't respond to you, like, get in his field of vision or whatever. We find out that the reason he didn't respond is because it was actually Father O'Brien dressed up as Santa that year. The same guy who was punched, I assume, (laughs) when Billy was a little kid. Uh... And the reason he didn't respond is because he's deaf. Like, actually deaf? How is he going to talk to the kids as Santa? How does he give sermons? <laughs> like, there's no indication. These are good questions. There's then. no indication that he, like, signs sermons or that he's not actually deaf. He's just deaf in one ear or he's hard of hearing, maybe. No, she says he's straight up deaf. Okay. Okay, well, the whole giving sermons thing he might be retired from doing that true yeah that's true you don't just up and leave when you can no longer be one that's fair that's fair (laughs) my annoyed thing here and i mean who gives a shit this movie's a piece of crap but what really pissed me off is he's all about punishing people but when he sees the cops he hides which tells us that he knows that he's doing naughty yeah, things. Yeah, he's not actually righteous. So why doesn't he punish himself? Self-flagellation, I'm telling you. Really, really irked me. I was he like, probably does punish himself every time he does something naughty. But now he sees himself as the arbiter of that. And so that's not naughty, but, but the cops might stop him. Anyway, he beheads a snowman for no <laughs> fucking reason. And... And he goes inside and the and the kids are all excited because Santa's here and Mother Superior, who's in a wheelchair now, is telling them not to go oh, towards you Santa. Missed, you missed the sledding scene. Oh, you're right. This is a famous sledding scene. This is the only thing I had ever seen about this movie before now. Two kids are going to go sledding and... 
they get picked on by bullies who run them off so they can steal their sleds and they go down. The first guy goes down and it's a really, really long hill and it's a dark, dark night. So you can't see the bottom from the top or vice versa. And so when he gets down to the bottom, he shouts up to the top. "Okay, go. And the lead bully then goes down and dude just hops out from behind a bush. And as the dude's sledding down, chops his head off with an axe punish and so what the other bully down at the bottom of the hill sees is a headless body sliding down the hill and then the head rolling down after it and then he beheads a snowman (laughs) wasn't there a very similar scene in dismembering christmas yes thought so it's like razor wire or something like that and yeah while they're sledding and there's a scene where somebody gets uh, stabbed with a candy, candy cane, cane, which happens in this movie too. It happens in Santa's so, sleigh. Oh, so dismembering Christmas is just stealing shit all over the place. Yep. Uh huh. How dare you, college kids? <laughs> Poor college kids. Plagiarism. They <laughs> I should hope be expelled. They're in college. <laughs> I certainly hope that they was are. the impression I got. <laughs> anyway, so Mother Superior is telling these kids to back away, but they're really excited about Santa, and as he's approaching. And meanwhile, Mother Superior is like, there's no Santa Claus at the children because they're Santa's here. Santa's here. And in order to snap them out of it, it's trying to now tell them there is no Santa Claus. She's also trying to get him to snap out of it. Yeah, there is no Santa Claus. There's nothing. No one should be punishing anybody here. So for these kids now. One Santa was shot to death in front of them. (laughs) Another one shows up and is trying to kill them and her and Mother Superior. And now they're told that Santa also isn't real. Now these kids are going to be fucked up. I guarantee you one of the sequels is about that. (laughs) I don't know. There is no Santa Claus. Naughty. And so the detective comes in, the lead detective comes in and shoots him to death. And that's the end of the movie. Is it not? His younger brother, who we haven't talked about at all. Yeah. He's like known as like the perfect child. As soon as his brother dies, he pretty much stands up and says, naughty. Yeah. Naughty. And so he's taking on the persona, which makes no sense. Because... He was a baby when it happened. Yep. Yep. Uh, this movie, it feels very long, even though it's only 80 minutes. Oh, it feels because so long. Because the climax is the first scene where he <laughs> murders, where Billy murders anybody in the toy store. And he kills like five people. So like, why that's not the climax and that's how his murder spree starts is a little weird. Because it feels like the climax and then you have half the movie to go. And... It makes the movie feel like it drags on and it's fun in ways that there's like nonsense happening and it's so fucking ridiculous, but I don't know. I don't, do you have anything else to say about this movie, Kelsey? The scene 
with the kids about to go sledding before they get terrorized by the bullies is kind of funny, I'll admit. Yeah. I didn't write all of it down, but like one of them is like, are you going to go or not? Are you having a religious experience? <laughs> what if I hit a tree? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny, uh, but that's that's it for me. So a few things. Number one, this was originally called uh, Sleigh Ride. So another sleigh, sleigh pun. Paul Kamey is credited as having a based on a story by credit. That's because he wrote a script and there was a small portion in it that mentions a killer Santa. And when the production company read it and they wanted to develop that into a story, they did the appropriate thing and gave him credit for coming up with the concept. But he didn't actually write any of this. Also, like I said, the show was famously protested and people fucking hated it. On Siskel and Ebert at the movies, Gene Siskel was so upset about this movie and he thought it was so tasteless. Sometimes he would get like this. He would get very haughty and on his high horse and indignant about stuff like this. He had a tendency to do that, but so did Roger Ebert. He made a point of repeating multiple times TriStar, the production company, uh, Columbia, HBO, and CBS, who own TriStar, and said, shame on you for releasing this movie and for, for that commercial campaign. He was actually very upset and wanted to make sure that people knew who was responsible for this movie. Like, that's how angry he was about it. Actually, there have been two controversies about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Even before the film was released a couple of weeks ago, its TV ad campaign caused a furor with its brief depiction of an axe-carrying Santa Claus. The distributor of this film, TriStar Pictures, which is co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office, pulled the commercial out of release after a week of protests by parents led by a Milwaukee group. Of course, commercials like that usually die out after a week anyway, so thanks a lot, fellas. But there's no question in my mind that the showing of Santa with an axe on free TV and commercials is sick, and sleazy and mean-spirited. So let's repeat the names of the people who did it. <laughs> TriStar Pictures, co-owned by Columbia Pictures, CBS, and Home Box Office. Shame on you. Now, as for the film, I've got news for you. It's worse than the TV ad. He impales one naked girl on a set of antlers, spears another woman with a bow and arrow, and another with a knife, and yes, we even see Santa give one little girl a bloody knife as a gift and threaten another little girl with physical punishment as he sits on his lap. You might think that it would be funny, Roger, or it's played as quite thick in the film. So, let me repeat the names of the writer and director and producers of this film. Michael Hickey wrote the film, Charles E. Sellier Jr. directed it, and Ira Richard Barmack produced it. You people have nothing to be proud of, even if you made a few bucks off of all the negative publicity. Your profits truly are blood money. And Silent Night, Deadly Night now has the distinction of joining I Spit on Your Grave as one of the two most contemptible films I've seen. And I don't mean to think it's campy. It really is quite awful. And finally, I guess I only have one last thing. I feel like I, I have to drop it in here somewhere. When the kids who are babysitting are making out on top of the pool table and the little girl almost comes down into the basement where the pool table is, in order to get her to go back to bed, the young woman says, if you don't go back to bed, Santa won't come. And the guy says in a low voice, he's not the only one. Yes. I figure we had to mention that somewhere. <laughs> okay. 
So, Kelsey, what do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 43. 25%. Good. Metacritic of 31. Overrated or underrated? I'd say 25 is about where I'd go. Maybe a little bit lower. What What are you going to say? I'll give it a 21 because it did make me laugh a couple of times. 21. Jesus, you hated this movie. I did. I did not enjoy either of these movies. But I will admit, it did make me laugh a couple of times. And I admit that the beginning is creepy. It's just strange and it doesn't make sense. The movie is shocking, but not for the Santa thing. Right. That's the thing. I think the shock value of this movie has nothing to do with Santa, except for the fact that the kids in the movie get fucked up because of it. I I think it has some value in the horror world as a result of that. But like you say, it's not a good movie. No, it's it's really poorly made. I would give it a 40. Wow. I'll give it a 40. I enjoyed it more. I th- I was more fascinated by it than you were, I think. Is the thing. (laughs) Like, I, at first, in the beginning, it seems, like you say, kind of shocking, kind of fascinating. But then it just gets so fucking dull. And it's just like, oh, I get to watch a child being punished by a nun. This is fun. And then there's there's this boring-ass montage. Montage, right? With that song that's just so incredibly earnest. And I don't care about him as a character. And it's just like, this is so weird. I did not enjoy it. (laughs) I was more fascinated. I think that's why I gave it a better score. So, before we move on to our next movie that Kelsey's really excited about... Let's do another Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Yes. What do you got? What Footloose from 1984 actor was also in 1980's Friday the 13th? (laughs) Who who does that card think we're going to say? Yes, Kevin Bacon. He He got an arrow through the back of his neck. Yep. While he was laying in bed. Yep. Famously. Great scene. You can tell that it's a fake body, but... Other than, like, the color and the way it breaks open, like, the the way they positioned him and everything was very good. It's almost hard to believe how they actually accomplished that, I would say. I don't know if, if you guys have heard our episode on Friday the 13th. You can listen to our thoughts there. Yes. Here's another one that's not on our list and another one that Kelsey did not like. <laughs> In the Devil's Backbone, 2001. It's not that I didn't like it. I fell asleep. I was It was like you were bored, yeah. Because it's more a horror drama. It's Guillermo del Toro, early Guillermo del Toro. So he's more about the aesthetic and the feeling of everything. I couldn't even tell you what it's about. Well, maybe you'll get this one and maybe you won't. Okay. What type of weapon rests nose down in the courtyard of the orphanage? An axe? An undischarged bomb. Oh yeah, I don't I don't remember it at all. Which is not a good thing. Like I love Guillermo del Toro. Some of his movies I like much better than others, but I really appreciate him as a filmmaker. So I would like to see it again. It's just that I just fell asleep. I was so There's bored. not much horror that happens. It's more like an orphanage in a poor part of uh it does it take place in Spain in like the desert 
and it, the the rough things that they have to go through. And then these kids see this ghost and it's more about their curiosity and what actually happened in the horrors. Of, so it's almost, it's almost like a pan's labyrinth, you know, thing where half the movie isn't about fantastical horror, which is what Guillermo del Toro is known for. It's about the horror of reality. Yeah. But pan's labyrinth just gripped me from the moment it started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to our next film. Are you excited, Kelsey? I'm so excited. 2005 Santa's Slay, written and directed by David Steinman, starring Bill Goldberg of WCW and WWE fame, Douglas Smith, Emily DeRaven, Saul Rubinek, Dave Thomas, and Robert Culp. With cameos by Rebecca Gayhart and Chris Kattan and Fran Drescher and Tiny Lister. And with uncredited appearances from Vince Russo, a writer for WWE, and motherfucking James Caan. What is Santa's sleigh about, Kelsey? A demon named Santa, who is Satan's son is cursed to become the Santa that we know and love for a thousand years. And on the thousandth year, uh, this teenager finds out that it's his job to make sure that Santa's not allowed to kill people. You can tell how invested she is in this. This is a straight-up comedy. It is a straight-up low-budget, low-brow comedy. And again, I'm not going to lie. There were times that I laughed out loud. Parts yeah. of it are very funny. I, I will give it that. But I didn't say this to you, but I was thinking it. When the movie first started, like after like the second kill, I was like, is this just going to be a series of him just coming upon people and randomly killing them, but then sometimes not for no good reason? Yes, that's exactly what it is until he finally gets to the protagonist. Now... The teens, I actually enjoyed. I actually enjoyed their their storyline. I really loved when they did the history of Santa. Yes. That we'll get to cool. there. We'll get to there. We'll get to what that is. I agree. I agree. Should people watch it? I am positive that a lot of people would find this movie hilarious. So if you want to see a comedy about Santa killing people, this is definitely for you. If, yeah, if you're into... Like cheap lowbrow humor with tits and bad one-liners just to see people die, and a lot of the horror fan community does like that kind of thing, then yeah, I mean, see this movie, I guess. But it is very obviously produced by Brett Ratner. I guess I'll just say that. <laughs> Fucking Brett Ratner, what a disgusting human being. <laughs> Yeah. So you can see it or not. We're not going to say it's a good movie. Because it's not. But there's some value here, I guess. Yeah. And you can make your own decision. And when we get back, we will talk about 2005's Santa's Slay. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. But now... All bets are off. Yes, there is a Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. 
Claus. Santa Claus is not a myth or a legend. He's real. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. This holiday season. Oh, oh, oh. Lock your doors. Bolt the windows. Oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. And block the chimney. Cause naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa's sleigh. Go ahead, kid. Let's see what Santa got you. I hate children. First off, I want to say thank you to Eric for recommending this to us on our Twitter, which again is at Pod Cemetery. Follow us there and you can make a recommendation of your own. I'm really glad Eric recommended this because I was excited to see a Christmas horror movie with a murderous Santa played by Goldberg, who, by the way, famously Jewish as are a whole lot of the cast of this movie and the filmmakers. <laughs> but thank you, Eric. I'm glad I finally kind of, I guess, got this out of my system and I'm not upset. I watched the movie, but as we'll find out, it's not like the best movie in the world. <laughs> so first of all, the movie starts and gets most of its cameos right out of the way in the very beginning, where Rebecca Gayhart and from Fran Drescher. Urban Legend. Yes, Rebecca Gayhart, who was from Urban Legend. Fran Drescher from The Nanny. Chris Kattan from SNL. SNL. And James Kahn. From the motherfucking Godfather. Ah. Uh, they're all killed by Santa. <laughs> Santa comes through the chimney and just kills them all in, inv in inventive, fun ways. And you know what? That's what this movie's about. So strap in. You're going to get a lot of that. The acting's not great. The direction's not great. The storyline's not great. There's a lot about this movie that's not great. But you should be here for the inventive kills and just the nonsense fun. We also get the line here in this scene when they're saying grace for Christmas dinner. Thank you for not making us poor or Samoan. Also, thank you for not making us poor or Samoan. Which I almost think is a wrestling joke. <laughs> because there are a lot of Samoan families in wrestling. Like, a lot. So, I don't know, because Bill Goldberg is in here, they make a Samoan? I don't know. And, or they're just trying to be random, and isn't that funny? I did love that Chris Kattan turns to his wife, even though he's having an affair with the girl on his right. But he turns to the girl from Urban Legend, and he, he like, mouths, Samoan? <laughs> and she just goes, shh. And it's, it's, that was funny. That made me laugh. Yeah. Cut to... These drawings that are in this book, which is going to become very important. And I don't know if we're supposed to understand the premise from these drawings. It's, I mean, it's not totally N all of mm. the details, but it's pretty clear what happens. It's really not. I'm glad I knew it already. Because it's just like this, this angel, this guy coming up to Santa Claus who's murderous. 
And then it's revealed that he's an angel. Then he points at Santa and then Santa is Santa that we know. And he's just grumpy about it. (laughs) And that's like, I'm glad I know the premise already because that's really not clear. The movie will be much more clear later. So Santa is Goldberg. He looks very impressive and looming, even though everyone calls him fat. Like fucking everyone calls him fat in this movie. And when eventually you see him without his coat, he does have a gut on him. But he is ripped. Like he's it's Goldberg. He's Santa, and Santa's supposed to be fat. Right, but they they when it came to production design elements and costume design, uh, they didn't worry about that at all. I don't think they were worried about a lot of things. <laughs> so he's riding around on his sleigh, and it is pulled by what he calls his hell deer. It's a single bison? Giant bison. Who's evil and his nose glows red when it needs to, and it eats people too. I guess, in addition to Santa being murderous? I don't know. And he shows up in a place called Hell Township. So that's not on the nose enough for you. I once went to a city called Hell, and it was called that because of the geographical features. And there are places that are really called Hell, and they decided this was where we were going to set this one. And he goes to a strip club where the pastor, played by Dave Thomas... Of SCTV fame, who's not the guy who owned Wendy's and is now deceased. It's, he's a comedian, Dave Thomas. And he kills everyone in the strip club? He also killed an old lady driving. Oh, yeah, because, well, we don't like her because she was mean to Saul Rubinek, who runs this deli and is very obviously Jewish. And she's like, don't. When he says happy holidays, she's like, don't give me that PC crap. Wish me a Merry Christmas. And she's bitter and awful. And that's also where our main characters, Douglas Smith and Emily DeRaven work. But he does say Merry Christmas. And she goes, thank you. Now go fuck yourself. (laughs) But this is like, it's, it's, you could see that as being like in defense of the Jewish nature of this store. But there's also like, instead of, you know, those little paper rings that make a chain it's bagels, like really bad, horribly insensitive jokes here. Yeah. But yeah, she gets run off the road by his sleigh. But when I say that he picks people at random, like when he first comes across her, he's like, hey, lady, get out of the way. Like if she had, he wouldn't have killed her. Yeah. And she flips him off. And, and then he ends up killing her. And then there's times when it's like he just walks by people and lets them live. And then there's other times where he kills them. And I'm like, I don't. He's just having fun. It, it is it is his will, and so it shall be. Yeah, I guess. So he goes to the strip club, and he beats up the bouncers. There's this whole joke about how stripper poles are disgusting, and he pauses to spray it with Windex and rub it down before he tears it out of position. It, you're just seeing a, a big brawl, and a bunch of people die, and this is where Vince Russo is. Yeah, it's it's... Until he gets to the kid, and we gotta talk about him and what's going on with his life. Yeah, we will. But, like, literally, like, he just walks around, and he comes across people, and he kills them, and it's silly and funny and pretty boring. Yeah. There's not a lot actually going on in all this. It's just, oh, he went to a strip club, and you get to see titties again. It's another one of those, because... That lowbrow humor, man. So anyway, we met Emily DeRaven, and if that's how you pronounce her name, and Douglas Smith. Emily is 
famously the Australian pregnant lady from Lost. I, she's always going to be that to me because I, I think I checked her. out right after she gave birth. <laughs> I know her as the girlfriend in Brick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another movie with a character from Brick, just like last week. Yeah. Lucas Haas. Did we even talk about that? Well, I mentioned that he wears a cape, just like he did in Brick. <laughs> That's about all. And Douglas Smith, who is the main character in Bye Bye Man. We he haven't, a, he's been in a couple other things, too. We haven't talked about Bye Bye Man on this show. Kelsey, will we ever do Bye Bye Man? Not unless somebody asks that us was to a do it. god-awful movie. Yeah, that's a garbage movie. It was movie. a garbage movie. And now here he is in this, too, for whatever reason. But I don't think he's a bad actor. But I the mean, director movie- does not get good performances out of anybody in this movie (laughs) nobody acts well in this movie regardless of the skill you already know they have i'd say probably the best performance is robert culp as the grandpa who you may know him from i spy among other things i don't know what that is it's the movie where bill cosby or it's the tv show where bill cosby got famous no idea it's remade with eddie murphy and I want to say Owen Wilson? <laughs> Somebody else? Never heard of it. Remember when they were remaking 70s TV shows into I movies know. in the 2000s? This yes. is one of them. <laughs> okay. Anyways, if you saw him when he's younger, you'd probably recognize him. Uh, he plays the grandpa. So the young man whose name is, of course, Nicholas Waka Waka. They call him Nick. He is grumpy, and he lives with his grandpa, who everyone thinks is crazy. He's an inventor. And he found out... They don't tell us anything about his parents. We have nope. no idea who Nothing. his parents are. But we, found out, we find out that his grandpa has built a bunker, and he ends up telling him the story that he should know uh, about the real story of Santa Claus. If it's the truth you want... Then it's the scary truth you're going to have. Sit down. And he reads from their their book. In which, Norse. Which Nick calls the Necronomicon. What the hell's that? The Necronomicon? Really bothered me. It really bothered me. Nick. Douglas. What the fuck? <laughs> well, the fucking director didn't catch it. Right. How did they not? Anyway, <laughs> so just like Jesus was born, he, they talk about how there are two immaculate conceptions in the world. One, Jesus was born from God and Mary. Santa is the other one born from Satan and some other lady. In the history of man, there have been only two immaculate conceptions. The first being God and the Virgin Mary and the birth of their son, Jesus. The second was Satan with the Virgin Erica and the birth of their son, Santa. I guess that's okay. He's born from immaculate conception, the son of Satan, just like he's like the inverse of Jesus. And he was cursed. This is where we get this awesome flashback. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It They tell the story in the form of kind of cheaply made, but really ambitious for a movie of this caliber, like Really ambitious stop motion. I love it. It is very Christmas. Uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of references to like classic Christmas movies right. throughout this movie, and this is definitely hearkening back to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. 
So he Santa goes on what he calls the Dag of Morg, which is the day of slaying. The day of slaying uh, every year, which we which ends up being Christmas Day, and a, an angel finally tries to stop him and challenges him to a game of kind of basically curling, curling. But, like, there's a big hole in the ice, and you can't get your rock into the hole. You got to get the closest you can without going in. And the angel wins. And what Santa loses is his ability for the the Dag of Morg. And instead of a day of slaying, he has to have a day of joy. And for a thousand years, he's cursed to be the Santa Claus that we know and love. I don't understand curling. Is that part of it? Like, if you get tapped out then you're fucked no you want to get in the center in curling and somebody will try to knock you out of the center that's what i'm saying yeah but there's no hole that you want to stay away from but they can knock you out of the center so him knocking it into the center isn't cheating because it felt like cheating no that's the whole premise if you go first you have the better chance of getting in the set getting closer to the center but you have more likelihood that you're going to fall in but it's Really weighted heavily in the favor of the person that goes second. So anyway, it's a really, really cool scene in this movie. And it's the most redeeming thing this movie has going for it. Now we know the story. And there's this weird relationship trouble between Emily and Nick. Yeah, they're 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 in a relationship. But like her they, name is Mary. They Mac. aren't physical at all. Yeah. And she gets annoyed because she's constantly trying to be physical and he just won't. And the implication is that he's feminine because there's a stupid joke in there about, oh, I hate Christmas because when I was a kid I got an easy bake oven instead of an Optimus Prime. And then later the joke is told that, no, he actually asked for the easy bake oven. So he's like, kind of feminine, I guess, is the joke they're going for. I guess. So... She gets him a toy for Christmas, and it's a gun that's actually like a Megatron, which is weird because he doesn't say anything about how, like, he wanted an Optimus Prime. I don't remember what he specifically asked. He said Optimus Prime. Okay. Yeah, you were right. It's it's very weird. Anyway, none of this fucking matters. What matters is they come across the deli again on Christmas Day, and the deli owner, Saul Rubinek, it has been killed. He got a menorah through the mouth or through the neck. Because this movie is culturally sensitive. <laughs> anyway, he warns him that it's Santa Claus. And as he dies. And so now Nick knows, oh, my God, it's Santa Claus. And he goes home to tell his grandpa, who's like, fuck, I knew it. Like, why wasn't he more prepared for this? Yeah. If he knows the time, why wasn't he more prepared for this? Yeah. So anyway, they go into his bunker and they're looking at the front door on the camera feeds there. And what do they see at the front porch? Carolers. And so Max says, who carols? Yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> what are those people doing here? God, who carols? Especially during the day. And tries to run them off. But Santa shows up. And they run back into the bunker, and they realize they can't keep Santa out of this bunker, so they need to escape. And they escape through this secret compartment just as he's smashing down the door to their bunker. And they need to get away from him, 
so they get out these snowmobiles and grandpa in order to hold off Santa and let them get away teases Santa and then gets run over by his sleigh and his hell deer and <laughs> dies. Oh, grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Yeah. So goodbye, grandpa. <laughs> and Mac and Nick get on the snowmobile and they ride off. And they look like they're having fun riding on the snowmobile. <laughs> and Santa's like throwing present bombs a la the Green Goblin with his pumpkin bombs. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> they go to this school and they're hoping to hide from Santa long enough that Christmas is over and they're going by the time zone at the North Pole. Based on a watch that the deli owner had er earlier in the film given to the yes. main kid. And they figured that, well, the North Pole is just at Greenwich Mean Time, so Christmas will end at 7 p.m. and then he the, the Dag of Morgue will end. Yeah. And they'll be safe. But Santa shows up and tries to kill them with a Zamboni machine because they're on the hockey ice. Yeah. They're in a hockey rink. And just as it's about to kill them, as they're up against the boards, it stops. Oh, no. What happened? How did this stop? Well, there's a curling rock. Magic curling rock in the way. Yeah, because the uh, the Santa says, "I'm Santa, bitch. Uh, it's over when I say it's over." Right, because he he his logic is it's at the North Pole. It's where all time zones converge. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't just end at Greenwich Mean Time. It's over when I say it's over, and he goes to kill them. He runs into the curling rock, and that's when Grandpa shows up again. But he's all glowy. Because he's the angel. He's the angel that bet Santa Claus with the weird game of curling slash shuffleboard slash reverse cornhole. Don't get it in the hole. <laughs> weird concept game. And he challenges him to one more uh, round and Santa can't resist. And so he slams his foot down on the ice, which creates the hole. And it's going down into hell. Yeah. We have another hell hole. The hole straight down to hell. Yes. And so they play the game with actual curling rocks. Except they don't really because he makes the angel go first this time. Yeah. And then he just pushes him in. Yeah. So the angel goes first and he gets really close to the hole. And then Santa grabs the angel and slides him down and knocks him into the hole. Hooray! Okay, can we talk about the angel factor? Okay. The angel gave up his immortality. Because he fell in love. Because he fell in love with a human woman, and that's Nick's grandma. And so he can die. But when he dies, he just becomes an angel again. Yeah. So what did he give up? Nothing. Nothing! He gave up absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But this is around the time Christmas is actually going to end now. And Santa gets in his sleigh with his hell deer and runs off and is then shot out of the sky with by a bazooka, which Mac's dad, who's a, a weapons nut, fires at the sleigh and knocks it out of the sky. And Santa gets impaled on a flagpole. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> uh, but then when they get up to him, they realize, no, that's actually Dave Thomas, the pastor, mm-hmm. dressed up as Santa Claus, who Santa knocked out and was just carrying around in his sleigh all night. Mm-hmm. He's the one that gets that gets impaled, and they don't know where Santa went. Well, we know. <laughs> <laughs> now that he doesn't have his powers, and he doesn't have his sleigh or his hell deer. Mm-hmm. He just shows up to the airport and tries to get on a flight to the North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever that's supposed to mean. And then he just sits down in one of those chairs waiting for the flight. And he's dressed as like a biker dude. Yes, because he, you know, he kind of is the biker type. Yeah. <laughs> Then that's the end of the movie. We get the credits that roll, and then at the end, we see Santa again, and he looks at the camera, and he says, who's next? Who's next? Yeah. That's Goldberg's catchphrase. He was 1,043-0 and in his win streak. <laughs> Not really, but the real numbers were just as fake. And every time he'd beat somebody in like five seconds, he'd look at the camera and shout, who's next? <laughs> so they're pulling in Goldberg's little catchphrase, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of the movie. So, Kelsey. Yeah. Lightning round. At one point, the boy says to the girl, you think he's crazy, don't you? His grandpa. And she says, oh, he's a little odd. And then the kid gets really upset, and he is like, well, your dad is odd. Who is a part of the Gun of the Month Club? Who <laughs> gives a rotting animal as a Christmas present? Yeah. And then uh, she flips out, and she's leaving, and she's just like, I'm going to go find someone who wants a real mature relationship. And then, like, when she leaves, the dude's just like, eh. Like, not even upset about it. It's yeah. so confusing. There's also this weird thing where Santa's kind of following them around throughout the movie, but he doesn't know they exist yet. Like, and he doesn't know that they're related to the angel, Grandpa. He just happens to go to the deli and kill their boss. And when they get taken to the police station for questioning, and then they Mac bails him out and uh, and they're able to leave. Then Santa goes to the police department and kills all the police. And then he decides to go to the grandpa's house. And that's when, like, all the action with them happens. So it's, it's just this weird contrivance that he just happens to go where all of our characters are. And it makes absolutely no sense. And at one point... <laughs> Santa explains how it was really easy to find the angel because when the main kid was a little kid, he wrote a letter to Santa complaining that his grandpa spent too much time at his curling practice and so he didn't get (laughs) to go and see him. And so he asks specifically for... An easy bake oven. An easy bake oven, which earlier he had made the joke of, I didn't want that, but that's what I got. And he just kind of looks at her and shrugs at Mac and shrugs. And it's like, is this supposed to be like a little gay kid likes girl toys joke? I have no idea. I have no idea. I want to know if Robert Culp, the grandpa, if he agreed to do this movie only if he could wear comfy clothes and not have to rush anywhere. <laughs> he just kind of walks around everywhere and wears these comfy clothes. <laughs> he doesn't have to invest too much of his acting skill into it. He's like, whatever, it's a paycheck. It's a living. At one point, Santa is reading a Christmas carol. 
and says Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. Yep. Every joke in this movie is so forced like that. Yes. So if that's the kind of humor that you're into. At one point, Santa decapitates a statue of Jesus. Yep. When he's chasing after the old lady towards the beginning of the movie, uh, and he and she's not getting out of his way, and she flips him off, he says, move, bitch, get out of the way. Yes. Which is obviously a reference to the song. Yes. Luda. And then she's like, suck it. <laughs> and then he decides to kill her. So, like, I don't get why sometimes he decides to kill people and other times he doesn't. Yeah. But, yeah, that's about it for me. The I, I just want to say that NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, which does not spell NORAD, nor does it even with its initial syllables. I don't know why it's called NORAD. If somebody could tell me, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> but their version of NORAD, which tracks Santa, when he checks NORAD to see if where Santa is... The name of their NORAD is Gonad. Ah. Waka waka. Mm -hmm. And the person that works at Gonad is like, how old are you? When he asks him if he really does track Santa Claus. <laughs> There's a scoreboard involved in their curling game. But how do the points work? It doesn't make any sense. The angel goes and gets close and he gets a point. Points are tabulated at the end of the round. <laughs> it's just a stupid thing for me to get upset about. <laughs> But just every joke is so forced. Uh, Kelsey, what do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 40. Well, it doesn't have an official Rotten Tomatoes score. It just has an audience score. Does that change your mind? No. 42 is what it got. All right. Overrated or underrated? Overrated. I was kind of torn. I didn't know what I was going to give this movie. What would you give it? I would probably give it about 25. So more than what you gave to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, really? You gave Silent Night, Deadly Night a 21. At least this one... It knows it's it bad? It knows what it is. It's not trying to be anything better. In fact, it's it's doing its utmost to not be better. Yeah. So at least it understands what it's doing. And... Like just like with the other one, there were a couple times where I laughed, so I'll give it that score. Yes, I think twenty five is good. I'll agree with you. Oh, I thought you were going to go higher. No, I was thinking about it, but it just didn't feel right. <laughs> it's, I mean, like it's done on purpose, but it's still so bad. Right, just because you're intentionally bad doesn't mean you're not bad. Right. It it has its charms. It's lowbrow charm. And that's what that's that's how you describe this movie is lowbrow charm. Bad forced jokes, not great acting, but it's kind of fun to see an outlandish version of Santa who's the son of Satan <laughs> go around killing people in ridiculous ways. Yeah. I guess it's worth some points for that. <laughs> So that was 2006's Santa's Sleigh, thus ending this week's episode. But Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week, the same guy who said that we should watch Santa's Sleigh, Eric also recommended uh, that we watch Gremlins. And Gremlins was already on our list for this week, so... Worked out very well. Yes, we're on the same page, Eric. Um, this so week, we're going to watch Gremlins and Krampus. I remember watching Krampus in the theater with you. What yes. do you remember about that movie? I remember I enjoyed it. I hated the ending. It has 
it has little tinges of Santa's slayness where it seems intentionally lowbrow comedic yeah. and kind of bad, but there's a lot that's really good and impressive about it too. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching it again to remind myself like is it any good? I don't remember. I forgot who was in it. It's a famous cast. Yeah, it has uh Tony Collette. Uh-huh. And the father is what's his name? Adam Scott. There's uh David Keckner in it. So, it has some people mm-hmm. in it and it's I remember it being kind of funny and fun and a little scary and well, we'll see. But of course, of course, Gremlins is awesome. And I'm really, really excited to do Gremlins. It's a really twisted take on a holiday film that everyone loves. But watch it again. It's kind of fucked. And it was intended to be even more messed up. Like, the mom was going to get, like, beheaded or something by the (laughs) Gremlins. It was written by Chris Columbus, the guy who is probably most famous for directing the first two Harry Potter movies and Home Alone. You wouldn't think that this guy is the one who wrote Gremlins, but he was. And it's directed by Joe Dante. So I'm I'm really excited about seeing this one again. This movie. Christmas classic. Petrified me as a child. Yes. it's uh, Gremlins are on the list of things that scare Kelsey. There's, they're all little. <laughs> I pointed this out in earlier episodes. But Chucky and the Leprechaun and Gremlins, they're all little. I don't know what you, that is about you guys. I don't know. <laughs> all right, that is next week. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. That's our website where you can see every single episode and a list of Every movie we've ever had on the show. If you're new to the show, it's a great way of getting through our back catalog. Just check out the list, find a movie that you'd like to listen to, and watch it along with us. You can leave a comment there and share your thoughts on the movies or recommend one or two of us for us to cover in a future episode. You can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. Oftentimes while I'm editing an episode, I'll add comments as little afterthoughts, which you can find in the description for the episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. It's even better if you share us with your friends and Even better still, the absolute best is that you listen in the first place. And thank you to all the people who write in uh, to give us comments about the show and what you think and uh, share your stories or recommend movies for us to watch. Eric, thank you for this week's recommendations. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Any last words? You see Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. Santa's watching, Santa's creeping. Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. There might be a treat for you in Santa's bag of toys. But Christmas won't be fun and games for naughty girls and boys. Santa's watching, Santa's waiting, everybody's celebrating. Did you do your best this year?
shit. Santa's sleigh is actually from 2005. Don't know why I said 2006. I think I was trying to remember. Fucking helicopters, man. Does anybody watch news reports or care that they have footage of a freeway from above? Why are there always fucking helicopters flying by? What about you, boy? You've been good all year? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. 